You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast, and we want to talk a lot of recruiting and football recruiting because the staff gets back on the trail, the Illinois football staff, that is, and uh, a lot of news to talk about, but uh, we kind of had a viral moment for Brett Bielma and uh, made some news on Monday with his comments about recruiting because he was asked a lot about it uh, by us in the media, uh, but it went viral and he's taken a lot of criticism for it, uh, talking about his offensive line and quarterback needing upgrades and really his entire roster needing upgrades. But boy, everybody across the country uh, has an opinion, it seems like, online on the Twitter.coms. Uh, so Joey Wagner, Alana Inquirer reporter, joining us now to talk a little bit about that. But we want to get into more recruiting as well. But that was an interesting little Monday slash Tuesday there, Joey. Yeah, uh, kind of a wild little Monday. I guess it's our job to make sure that old Uncle Context arrives here on time because I think he's been missing from a lot of the discourse over this or on this topic over the course of the last, dude, I guess it's been 24 hours now, right? I mean, it, it really did not take long to go pedal to the metal. Um, it, context is so important, Jeremy, and what we do and how we listen, how we understand, how we evaluate the words. Uh, what, what Brett Bielma said, and I know you'll play it here, here shortly, but like, yeah, there was a shock value because when you sit in those chairs and you watch a press conference, that's not what you generally expect to hear. Now, I don't think this was Brett Bielma throwing anybody under the bus. I, I mean, there's, there's facts and realities about how this roster lays out, how the depth chart lays out. And Brett just basically said, hey, I don't get – I mean, that, really it was no different, Jeremy, than if they give out a depth chart in game week, right? You can see who's not on the two deep. That That is how I interpreted it. There wasn't anything – when he said, you know, we don't have anyone from those three classes on the two deep on the offensive line, I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it because we haven't seen it. We knew that. Everybody knew that. Yeah, everybody but the national, right? Everybody just coming in on this one quote because the reason people reacted the way they did, and I want to play the quote, is because we don't hear coaches be this honest midseason uh, about a roster. Like You can hear veiled attempts at it, but Brett was just like, yeah, our offensive line is not good and not set up well for, for next year because of Lovey Smith's recruiting. Our quarterback recruiting, they haven't developed any guy since Nathan Schuhaus, right? Like, we've written that. But we can say it. Every fan can say it. Every national person can laugh at Illinois football and joke about them all the time. But the minute a coach who us in the media want to actually say something other than coach speak, the minute a coach actually says something that is honest and brutally honest, he gets jumped for it because they are full outraged about how somebody on the team might feel. And it's like, do you know who the four string quarterback is? Do you know who the second string offensive or not even second string, third string offensive lineman is that uh, was probably fortunate to get an Illinois offer late in the process? Like, do you know who they are? Like, why are you so upset about it? Um, what matters is what happens in that locker room. But but let's play Brett Bielma what he had to say. Both of your coordinators said you're the hardest working head coach they've been around recruiting-wise. Can you just talk about your, your philosophy and what the role is for the head coach? Are you a more hands-on guy than some other coaches? Yeah. Um, 
I appreciate the comment. I, I, I just know this, as a head coach, you're only as good as your roster, right? I kind of learned that the first time I went to the Kentucky Derby, right? Nobody was betting on the jockeys. Everybody was betting on the horses, right? So um, to win the Derby, you got to have the right horse. And, and um, I think our players uh, are, are going to be a reflection of what our program stands for. And, and um, you know, I, I stood at the front of the room last year when I took over and said everybody is invited back because of COVID. They gave me the opportunity to do that. But as this roster continues to transition, um, I've got to make tough decisions. Players have to make decisions, um, and and uh, you know the the roster is going to have to change to get to where we want to be to win a championship. So I recognize that probably uh, midway through the spring last year, through the summer, um, just certain positions haven't uh, uh, maybe played out the way they envisioned them to. Um, in particular, the offensive line. I don't believe we have a player in the two deep. Um, uh, that, that they've recruited here over the last three years that is really significantly doing anything for us uh, in the playing department. And that's, a, that's a major concern, right? So uh, that's something that we have to do. Um, uh, top two quarterbacks that have played to this point are both transfers, right? Um, so there hasn't been any development uh, at that position that, that uh, is significantly playing right now. Um, Isaiah was that guy, but he's obviously playing a wider position, wide receiver position in Deuce. So, Defensively, we knew there was going to be an evolution just kind of on the style of defense that we played. Uh, we got to definitely get a lot of uh, bigger bodies, I believe, up front to get what we want to get done to play in this league at a, at a consistent level. So uh, there's, there's things that we're uh, definitely evolving every day. And as a head coach, I think I have to prioritize my recruiting. I was heavily involved in the 15 guys that we have committed to us. Um, uh, anything I could do every day, um, uh, just even the last, you know, probably one of the things I've said to a lot of recruits that we've offered here as of late, like, listen, when we talk, people are going to follow. Um, it's just something I've witnessed in my career uh, and probably the last three or four guys that we've offered uh, here at the University of Illinois um, in the high school ranks in the 22 class. Immediately after that, we've, we've probably got anywhere from three to five additional Big Ten schools have offered, um, which is part of it. I get it. And, and I think it's a sign of uh, people have attention to what we're doing. All right, Joey, we got to be honest, like, I looked at you, we locked eyes and said, ooh, raised our eyebrows and said, wow, I'm, I'm surprised he said that again, because we're, we're not used to that. Um, and I do think there's probably some cleanup that has happened in the last 24 hours. I'm not reporting that, but it certainly seems like the players who you spoke to today, Doug Kramer and Chase Brown, um, weren't that all insulted about it. And they shouldn't be because... Brett Bielmo was not throwing Doug Kramer or Chase Brown or anybody that's made an impact on this team. Um, he was talking about the reality of what his roster looks like moving forward and and why they are struggling. And we'll get into more context about Brett Bielmo hasn't added a lot to it here. But um, I was surprised he said it. But as a media member, I'm, I, want, I want honesty. And um, these are 20-something-year-old young adults and if Brett Bielma, who seems like he has trust in that locker room for the most part, um, if he can handle this, and, and he's probably blunt with a lot of these guys internally, then I, I don't know why everyone else is getting outraged by it. And, and and judging by two leaders, Chase Brown and Doug Kramer, at least for them, they don't speak for everybody, but they are respected. It seems like this is a bigger deal on Twitter.com than in that Smith Football Center. I mean, I'm alarmed to hear that, that something's a bigger deal on Twitter. And look, I, and you're right, they don't speak for everybody. But when Doug Kramer speaks, there's value in us and the media listening because his voice carries a lot of weight inside of those walls. He is somebody that they look to for a lot of things. Now, they might not all agree, and I, I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say, like, Doug speaks for the team. That's outrageous and not true. There's a lot of different opinions and different thoughts inside of that room. 
But I, I believe when Doug says, hey, this isn't a big deal, I, I don't imagine on the other side of that door that we don't go into the Smith Center, there's some sort of big uproar. That's just not how I envision that. And I, I don't know, perhaps I'm wrong, but I just don't get that sense. And let, let's also say, I, I saw the headlines, there's so many lazy headlines. Uh, and by that, I mean almost all of them. Brett Bielema wasn't throwing his whole offensive line under the bus. That's not what he did. He said... And we, we can get in. I, I do want to talk about the timing of these comments. I know a lot of people are of the belief like, oh, they're two and five, and now it's time to, to scorch the earth. No. He was asked about recruiting after an off week of which he was on the recruiting trail with his coaches and a lot. They were a lot of different places. He was asked about his philosophy on recruiting, how he does that, and he acknowledged what we have all seen for years as there's going to be some sort of, of crater at certain positions that exist in, in recruiting. You can go back. Recruiting numbers aren't hidden. You can look at all these recruiting classes. You can look at all of this and see that, hey, this might not work. Now, there was a shock because we just we don't hear that. But I didn't think of him looking at his team and saying, you guys aren't good enough. That's not how I interpreted it. I interpreted it as him. And maybe this is what somebody else is upset with. I don't know. Saying, hey, the last staff didn't really put us in the best spot. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing that, but that, that, that's the interpretation I had. And that's not really an unfair interpretation, I don't think. The person who was thrown under the bus yesterday was Lovey Smith, right? That That's who was thrown under the bus. And I wrote this last week. And that's why it's curious that Brett Bielema brought this up. He said the last three recruiting classes don't have anybody in the two deep. He was referring to 19 through 21. Um, and, and 21... He seems a little high on it. It seems like Josh Kreutz might be the starting center next year, partly out of necessity. Zach Barlow, he said good things about. And we all know Brody Wisecarver is pretty talented. Now, he's got to develop a lot before we can count on him making an impact. But I wrote this last week in my trending meter that offensive line, the reason this is such a huge need in the offseason that Brett Bielma is addressing and going to JUCOs to recruit guys is because it's out of necessity because of what he was given. The 2018 through 2020 offensive line recruiting classes were a disaster for Luke Buckus, um, Lovey Smith, uh, and then obviously Rod Smith and Bob McClain. Okay, 2018, here's who you added. Ruben Unige, transferred. Oh. Keevan Myers, transferred. Virtus Brown, now I think he should still be on the O-line. He transferred, or he, he moved to the defensive line. Jordan Slaughter would be in the two deep. I think he'd be starting games by now, but he suffered an ankle injury. Julian Pearl is a starter. So that's an okay class, right? Like, and Julian Pearl is a defensive line first, mind yeah. you, right? Like, yeah. uh, and so I think that, I don't know how much that matters, but it's something I, I just feel like in some way is important to say. They always thought he would move probably to offensive sure. tackle, but Julian Pearl, Jordan Slaughter, I think are going to make impacts. Virtus Brown started eight games last year. So that, that's a solid class. He had two guys transfer out. 2019, Evan Kurtz was a late addition, no Power 5 offers. He's probably a third stringer. Josh Poor, very late addition in February. He's a backup, a third string, fourth, probably fourth string center now, behind Josh Kurtz, Blake Jarosati. 2020, Pfeiffer Griffin, transferred. Blaze Sparks, transferred. Brevin Jones, transferred. All this spring after Brett Bielema got his eyes on him. And I think those guys understood that they weren't going to play here under Brett Bielma. So that's that's a disaster of three offensive line recruiting classes that we kind of knew while it was happening, hey, this is going to be a problem. And 
the transfer portal JUCOs, they can be patchwork, but it just it's not a good way of sustaining a program. Uh, that's what he's referring to right there. He's like, I have two of my top seven offensive linemen returning next year, and I don't know who else I can count on. Like they're gonna have to play Barlev and 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 Josh Kruitz and maybe Brody Wise Carver because they were given a poor deck there. And then you look at quarterback. They brought back Brandon Peters thinking they'd get the best out of him. Without Josh and Metro Bebe, he hasn't been very good, right? He's been bad for a Big Ten quarterback. Archer Sikowski, they add to give some competition, a solid backup. Um, Archer Sikowski looks like the guy we saw at Rutgers, right, for the most part. Like, not good enough to be a starter probably uh, to, to impact you, but I don't mind having him as a backup. Then you've moved Deuce Span and Isaiah Williams to wide receiver after they were quarterbacks. And they're your two best receivers, but that doesn't say much about your receiver crew. So none of this is shot. We've been saying this the entire year. Um, it's just one clip gets thrown out there um, and, and people respond to it without knowing the situation. That That's what's like, it's really frustrating. And, and, you know, sometimes we have to do a little work as media to put the proper context into it, which is why I write a column, but that's not going to go as viral as, as, as a clip, right? Or, um, you know, today, Joel Embiid talking about Ben Simmons, like something can be taken out of context and people go nuts with it. Yeah, I mean, the context is so important, right, to what we do. I mean, there's no there's no way to hide that or to say otherwise. And that's, that's why I thought, when, I mean, open the curtains a little bit, Jeremy, as we talked yesterday about your column, it's like, hey, this is really important to have out there and make sure that, and you did a good job of, of putting all of what you just said into writing. And and for anybody who follows this team closely, it was kind of a, yeah, duh, column. And I don't mean to knock you on it, but like, it, it shouldn't have shocked anybody to have read that, to be like, oh my gosh, this, those classes, huh? Not, they weren't very good. No, you knew that. You knew that for a long time. So I just... The, the outrage, and I, I'm going to level with you. I didn't really expect this to go that viral. Like, it was one of those where everybody has kind of those shocking pressers. Like, there's moments where you're like, oh, wow, that was, that leans towards what I would describe as unexpected. But I, I didn't expect everybody with a Twitter account to have some sort of feedback, but also at the same time not be able to name three starting offensive linemen, none of which fall into the category that Brett Bielema effectively discussed. So that, it's, social media kind of sucks. I mean, it just does. It, it, there's no – nothing ever goes as far as that first viral thing, yeah. right? Like that, that is immediately the, the issue here is you can't put all that behind it. And, and now you've got these players, and it's our job to ask them. Like it, it would have been malpractice for us to walk out of that media availability today and not talk to them about what was said because obviously – they all have social media. Everybody and their brother and sister was tweeting about it. They clearly saw it. And I, I think sometimes, and I, I, I kind of got this vibe is they just want to get something off their chest, right? They just want to say, hey, wait a minute. There's a lot of noise, but we're, it's not really, you know, something that we're putting all of this thought into. And that's our job also is to give them that platform to say, hey, you know, some, some players might say, oh, my God, if, you know, of course this is going to come up. And some players might relish the opportunity to stand up and say what's on their mind. And you don't know how that's going to go until you ask, right? But you have to – there's just so much that goes into it beyond a minute and 36 seconds that has somehow 
made Pratt Bielema in, in the eyes of random person from the, the randomest place that has no idea about Illinois football, some bad guy for a minute and 36 that really was not a minute and 36 seconds of new information. We saw last night some players posting question mm-hmm. marks, eyes emojis. So I, I do think there was cleanup here yeah. because of what went viral and that Brett Bielma probably had to address the team. Be like, okay, this is what I meant, guys. This is, this is about recruiting, that we have holes we need to fill, and that we need to be, a, if we want to be a championship roster, we have to get better. That's why they brought me in here, was to do better. And I've given you all a chance, right? And Brett's been pretty blunt with his players throughout this. I mean, I don't like hearing, if I'm, if I'm a third-string offensive lineman, that I'm not good enough. But sometimes in our lives, we probably need to hear that. Right, like this, this isn't good enough. Like, hey, this is not your level of football. Like, at some point, Joey, I I knew at five foot nine, one hundred eighty five pounds, I was not good enough to play college football. Like, I got some interest from D three schools, and I was like, yeah, they ain't going anywhere. I'm good, right? Or, like, if we interview for a job, sometimes you get turned down, or if you apply for an award or something, like you don't get it because there's people that are better than you, and if you wanna. If you want to compete with them, you got to get better, or they're going to find somebody to do it better than you. Um, so I just I, I don't understand. Like the players can make money now, the coaches make money. This is big business, man. And you only got eighty five scholarships. Like and Brett Bielma did not recruit these guys. Uh, I think it's his job to try and get the best out of them. And, and fans can certainly say Brett Bielma cost them maybe percentage chances at some wins earlier this year with some sure. of his fourth down decisions. And he has not done well in his first transfer portal experience with Illinois. I think he went more for culture guys and need to get more talent. Um, so I think all those criticisms of, of Brett Bielma are fair, but I think that's what you should be focusing on more than saying, yeah, my roster, I need to improve. Right, like that, that was my focus going into that press conference. I thought he gave some great stuff about recruiting. His coordinator said great stuff about recruiting and and where they need to go. And that this is a this is a huge rebuild. I think Brett Bielema, after eight weeks of a season, seven games where they're two and five, I, I think he realized more than ever that this is a complete roster overhaul. And that the first year getting all these super seniors experience is one thing, but it doesn't mean you're going to win games just because you're experienced. I didn't think Brett Bielma said anything that harsh. Like the more I think about it and hear the clip, he didn't say these guys stink. These guys are never going to be in the 2D. He didn't say that. He said right now we have three classes not in the 2D who haven't really done much by way of helping us on the football field, right? That's a fact. That's 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 not harsh. That's not – I mean, it, it might be – alarming to hear aloud again can't we can't we deal with the harsh reality of illinois football we all talk about it why can't brett bielma talk about it (laughs) yes and here's the thing we i mean we're we're pretty well connected in the verse of what fans think right and they get ticked off when they hear the same coach speak every single week again i do think there's a reason that a lot of head coaches go the approach of not going this route right because as we're seeing the, the payout is kind of harsh for people who don't care to invite context into their lives. But nothing was like an insult to any player. It was a fact that they're not in the two deep and they've not played. Yeah. Or they're not with the program. You do bring up a good point. I don't know what the upside of Brett Bioma saying this was. Um, Trans- potential transfers and recruits, like, come on in. We yeah. we got all the space in the world. We'll play. I mean, right? I mean, That's you, the, only- I, the argument is you don't need to say that in a press conference. Sure, yeah. but. 
Sure. It's it's true. It's like, and that's part of what I like about covering Brett Bielema is that like you can get actual insight and answers into what is going on with this program. I think for a lot of Illinois fans, they understand what he's saying. It's it's that hey, we're not good enough, and, and that we need to get more talented. And the the bigger question to me is, can he can he land those guys? I do think the one huge thing here that Brett Bielema's got to worry about is man, every other Big Ten coach has got that clip now. Right, and and they're going to show that to recruits. Now it's up to Brett Bielema to overcome that and give that message, but I, I think that's going to be weaponized uh, against him for sure. Um, so I, I think he's got to deal with that. But I I didn't have a problem with it. I, if my if my son is on, on the three deep and you know he's not going to play, it's like I, yeah, I get it, man. Like maybe, maybe we got to look to go elsewhere. Um, so I can understand if it's your son, but like. There's a lot of people who apparently his sons are on the three deep for Illinois football. Isn't that what college athletes have wanted? Is that, hey, it ain't happening here. I don't want to use a year of eligibility. I'd like this free transfer. And now this is, you know, it's a chance elsewhere. And I, that's what this whole discussion was all about is if you're buried on the depth chart somewhere, you don't have to either sit out a year or be a graduate transfer. You can go. You can go whenever you want to go. Uh, within, you know, whatever the parameters are, the NCAA is lined up to, for timing. That's what this whole conversation was about. So here's uh, kind of the next chess piece, I guess, if I, if I want to call it that, because you're right. I think recruiting is a, a kind of a harsh place, right, at times. And this is going to be weaponized. So for us, because I understand Brett Bielema knows the tone of his program quite a bit and what's being said about it and around it, we're going to talk to him on Thursday. Oh, he'll talk. I, about I'm it. Just, I, I don't think it's going to be an aggressive kind of like a let's clear this up type of situation because I think that would have happened sooner. But I think there's going to be uh, maybe some, I don't want to call it damage control, but a way to make whatever opposing coaches could weaponize less of a weapon. I think he's going to clarify. Uh, sure. which, which actually coming out of that press conference, I thought like the biggest thing you and I were talking about is. Uh, I, I asked for clarification because like certain things on Brandon Peters, he, yeah. he didn't really like say in the best way or most efficient way. So it kind of left us confused. So at one point I said, Brett, hold on. Can, can you just clarify? You sound like you said, Brandon Peters, you're not expecting him to be cleared. Like, can you just, and then he finally, he clarified and it was like, okay, that that's clear. It's concise of, of what Brandon, like, that was the most interesting thing to me. It was like, Oh, Archer Sikowski probably going to start this game at Penn state. And we got some interesting recruiting stuff in there. Uh, I did not expect that to, to go as viral, but maybe it's cause it's, it was shocking that maybe he said it locally. Uh, what we've all been writing, uh, and made specifics like about offensive line and quarterbacks. Uh, but it, it wasn't surprising because it's all everything we knew, uh, it's just a lot of people on the outside, even though they know Illinois football stinks right now, um, seem shocked and appalled uh, for, say, for some people. Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I'll say, like, we knew the quarterback situation needed clarified because, at the risk of sounding silly, it needed clarified, right? It was kind of confusing. I don't think anybody, have, like, walked out of there. We were kind of like, oh, he said this, but I don't think any of us were like, well, I'm going to need some clarification on what he means there. Yeah, that's pretty Straightforward, man. Is <laughs> the information we had, information he had, both those things matched up. He just said it in a press conference. I, I don't know, you know, is that something you say in the off season, right? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's an argument like after the season to say, hey, we have, you know, I, like if he says that after the Northwestern game, which I'm 
going out on a limb and assuming will be the final football game of this season. Like, I don't think anybody freaks out because there's not five games left. I, I think there's some, like, kind of just watching these headlines pour in. I, I, just, I think there's some, like, oh, there's still five games, and I can't believe how, how are they going to get anyone to suit up? Uh, because he said facts. And I don't think people are that offended by the facts that were in front of him that everybody knew yeah. before yeah. Monday at 1 o'clock. Yeah. Um, yeah, just things get quoted, quote tweeted, and people respond to them without – Knowing, and that, that's why, like, I try to do a better job of that now as a consumer. Uh, is all right, did he say that? Like, what was the context of that? That's why I, I think it's important in our job to, to do that. Like, I, I think you can criticize Brett Bielman for saying that publicly if you want to. Uh, I've seen a lot of players, uh, former players, I've seen Jeff Allen, um, former Illini great, you know, say, Hey, you don't say this. And I, I take their word for it. Like, yeah, I think there's some cleanup to do in the locker room, but I, I take their comments and the Illinois football players' comments with much more um, esteem than I do some random person like us, right? Like having some faux outrage that they, they people, we should be outraged about it. Like, um, as long as the as long as the locker room's fine. And Brett Bielema seems to be doing a pretty good job of that. We'll see after the season. But, dude, we know that this roster is going to have a ton of overall. They're going to have 32 new players. And there's going to be a bunch of players that are currently on the roster that aren't on this team next year. That happens. It's college football in the 2021. Uh, there's going to be a ton of roster change. And there needs to be if Illinois wants to win. Mr. Mike, I'm assuming we're about done on, yeah. on this topic. But I will say this. There are some people I saw, and I don't even care if this comes out as a shot, who were outraged. If you're that outraged, I know a lot of people who were outraged on Matt Online, hashtag Matt Online last night, who know exactly where to find that Zoom link for Thursday's press conference. If you were that outraged, join the Zoom link and try to get some more clarity. Go to a media availability, set up a phone interview and try to get some more clarity. Otherwise, a tweet is just jumping on board of something that's already left the station, right? I mean, it's it's out there. There are ways that you can have a dialogue about this that involves two different parties rather than just a quote tweet and moving on with your time. And I, I know that's going to come off maybe poorly, but... Well, that doesn't get the likes and the retweets in the moment. Well, that's what it's all about. That's my understanding, huh? Yeah. It's getting those. It's just, it's just so much, right? Like it's a state of what the media... And social media, social media. How, how they blend and interact. And, and then, of course, it's the, oh, my God, a coach said something other than we got to get better today and we'll see you tomorrow. It's just such a perfect storm of mix. And also, it's kind of a slow news cycle a little bit on a Monday afternoon. It, a lot happening, man. Yeah. All right. There's a lot happening in recruiting, uh, stuff that's probably more important for the long term of the Illinois football program to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, People aren't making fun of Illinois football because they might actually win some games if they get better players. Let's talk about recruiting. We were on the road this weekend. You're going to be on the road yet again. Uh, we'll talk about where you're going, uh, which is a very important position for Illinois moving forward. And we'll talk about the remaining targets, including one of the the biggest, quickest risers I've ever seen and uh, in-state recruiting. Let's talk about that next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Joey, on Friday, we both hit the road. You saw Joey Oakle. I want to get into that because I think you uh, got a lot of insight into who Joey Oakle is and, and why Illinois is so excited about somebody who, who didn't have any other Power 5 offers, right? But uh, they think could be a great foundation piece. But I was debating whether or not to go see Jimmy Rolder because he got a Michigan offer, he got an Iowa offer. And I was like, man, is Illinois going to have a chance to land this kid? Uh, but I'm glad I went up and saw him because this – Three-star linebacker, four-star in some spots, and I do think he should be a four-star after seeing him. Uh, out of Chicago Marist, I saw Chicago Marist last spring because I went and saw Deuce McGuire. And I, I saw this kid, number you know, number eight, and I thought, yeah, he's a pretty good-looking kid, was kind of rush linebacker, was making some plays. And I'm like, that, that, that kid might be uh, an FBS player. And then I got a message from Alan True and another person uh, and said, hey, look at this kid's film I think he's really. I think he's a power five linebacker, and I saw it, and I passed it on to some people. And I know Illinois was looking at him, but they offered him on the Wisconsin game, October 9th, the homecoming game. And since then, this has been a meteoric rise that I've never seen before. Minnesota offered the next day. Michigan offered a few days later. Cincinnati, Purdue, um, TCU, and then. Last night, we're recording this on Tuesday, so Monday night, just nine days after he gets that Illinois offer, he gets an Ohio State offer. This is the only thing I can compare this to is when Anthony Davis came out of nowhere in basketball recruiting. He went from unknown, unranked, to the number one prospect in the country in about two months. And it's because he shot up, you know, played at Chicago Perspectives who no one was watching, but he grew a couple inches and played like a guard. He was an unbelievable athlete, great length. I, I don't know if Jimmy Rollers going to be that good, but like, that's the only comp I have to this because I've never seen somebody go from unknown to this many Big Ten offers and then capped with one of the best programs in the country in Ohio State. It's unbelievable, right? I mean, it, it's – I thought about this a lot last night when I saw the Ohio State offer come in and – this is i'm gonna be careful how i do this i don't want to blame a pandemic for how this is all played out but when people say like the the pandemic is going to change a couple classes of recruiting and really alter either some timelines or is this going to be some under the radars i mean i think for two years right we've talked or a year and a half we've talked about what is the pandemic going to do to players coaches getting on the road players the whole nine yards this it's because it takes longer to find these guys right in some instances some instances they're found early i mean jimmy roller just show up on the radar last saturday or two saturdays ago against wisconsin people had known about him but it just it's crazy how the timeline is so shifted and now it's like two months till signing days it is pedal to the freaking metal on this it's just it's it's crazy it's it's there's a lot there yeah, the pandemic's a huge part of it, Joey, um, because coaches couldn't go out on the road and see him. Um, and plus, 
He's an Illinois baseball commit, has been since the summer. And as his dad, who's a former Illinois football player, Scott Kao, um, as he told me, like his summers, he was playing 70 to 80 baseball games, not going to these football camps where you get noticed, right? Or coaches see you. Now, they might see a little film, but they didn't see him in person. Um, so that really delayed a lot of things for him. He just didn't have that kind of exposure and coaches weren't able to come see this guy in person. And he's 6'2", 220, and he's all of it, right? He, he's he's pretty jacked for a high school senior and he's a great athlete. Um, he's got great instincts, flips his hips really well, really drives through opponents. Like his ability to drive through opponents as a linebacker, get to the ball as quickly as he does, side on to side on at his size, uh, makes him one of the top prospects in the state, in my opinion. Like I, I think he's top 10 for sure in state, uh, and the Ohio State offer certainly shows that. Uh, I'd probably have him closer to the top five, to be honest with you. Like Him and Sebastian Cheeks, who's a four-star and has been for a long time, I think they're very similar prospects. And, and I, I think Sebastian Cheeks is great, but I think Jimmy Rolder is, is that level uh, with him. So the question is, does anyone have a chance? When, when Ohio State and Michigan are in, and Michigan defensive coordinator Mike McDonald was at the game. I, I talked to him. He's a nice guy, actually. Um, they, uh, those are two big offers, and usually Illinois would have no chance. And you know, last week I'm hearing from some people, yeah, Illinois probably doesn't have much of a chance here. But talking with his dad, seeing his dad on Twitter, um, talking to Jimmy, I think Illinois is going to be in the mix. I'm not going to say, yeah, Illinois is – going to compete with Ohio State they're, they're going to land him like if Ohio State usually wants a guy who, who doesn't have Georgia or all these other programs or Alabama Ohio State's probably going to get him but there's some interesting things about this his dad went to Illinois um, Illinois was the first to offer Illinois is recruiting him hard and I think one thing we'll get into here Brett Bielma is individually recruiting him very very hard plus I think there's an opportunity for Jimmy Rolder to play both football and baseball here he doesn't know if he wants to do both. He doesn't know if he wants to do one or the other. But the opportunity to do both at a place where he wants to do both, like Dan Hartlib, um, thinks this kid has MLB potential. Like, can you imagine that? Like, you're a four-star linebacker and you're a top baseball recruit. Um, and that, that's just an interesting pitch. Like, if Ohio State, if you really like Ohio State and Michigan, can't blame the kid. Right. Um, and there was, there's, there's a thing I have to mention, like Illinois had him for a workout in June and didn't offer that. I think they didn't think he'd blow up this big. And they took Malachi Hood, who I really like in this class, who had more interest from other programs. Um, and, and Jimmy didn't get offered by anyone until mid October, but he just had a better season. Than I think Illinois thought he'd have. So they did miss a window there to potentially close that recruitment down and get a great football player, We'll see where it goes from here, but this is taking the Illinois part out of it. What an incredible story. What an incredible rise. Yeah. It's awesome for him, right? Like that's what is fun about this job is to see somebody catch absolute and total fire and be able to cash in for his future. And I think it's important that you mentioned that they had him in the summer. I mean, it would not have been a good thing to leave out after we just went on a half hour discussion about context and all of yeah. that. Um, but look, it, I, the Bielema thing with him going, you know, he, he's involved in this, right? That's no secret. He's, he's involved. And that's not, I, I want to also be clear. Like, Brett doesn't like, I, I think he's involved in a lot of recruiting. I, I don't think we could argue that at this point, but we've seen him really pedal down on some guys. Uh, you know, another guy we saw him do it was Austin Brown from Johnson city who went to 
Wisconsin. So uh, I think it matters when the head coach is all the way there to try to get somebody. And we'll see if it pays off. I don't know. Um, you know, for as much as we talked about Brett Beal's Monday press conference, he sure said Jimmy Rolder a lot without saying Jimmy Rolder, didn't he? I mean, yeah, he the, the mention of offering good. guys um, and then everyone else coming on board with offers, that was definitely Jimmy Rolder reference right there. And I'll give them credit. Like, they haven't gotten in, you know, they probably, if they could do hindsight, would have offered Jimmy Rolder months ago. And they might have probably would have gotten him committed, right? And then does any of this happen? I don't know. But they have offered a lot of in-state guys first, including 2024 guys. And I think you have to do that. And it's something Lovey Smith didn't do. And before we get to your thoughts on Joey Oka, like the differences of Brett Bielma on the trail are, are ridiculous. Um, the way he is involved, he is the one who calls kids to offer them. He is on Zoom calls with them. Um, when he got on the trail, he was in four states, he said, on Monday. And I know he was in three states on Friday and watched – and was in two states on Saturday, watched two games, right, in New Jersey. So um, he works his butt off, and I know the the coaches there feel like they have to keep up. And I think that's a good thing, that, that the head guy is setting the tone. I think that's so important. But your head guy usually should be your best recruiter, and he should be your most forceful recruiter. And I think that's the case with Illinois. That's, I think it's one of the reasons they have a class that relatively, Joey, is one of the better ones in the last decade for Illinois. We'll see where it ends up. But they've been landing more Power 5 offered kids, more in-state kids, because I think the head coach is playing a huge role in it. We talked about this a couple months ago. But I, I don't think a lot has changed in the sense of their process is is still what I stand by and kind of say, okay, this is working for them. Now, there have been misses. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like they've got everyone that they've offered. That's just untrue. But when you've seen them, especially in-state, with a couple exceptions, when you've seen them lock in, they moved and they closed pretty quickly, right? And it's not just position coach X and Brett Bielema, especially in-state. We know this to be a lot, if not all 10 of the assistants and Brett Bielema trying to make this close on some of these recruits and again it has not worked you can look austin brown is somebody it did not work patrick kudas an offensive lineman ryan barrett it they went elsewhere that happens you know that is going to happen in recruiting but i think if you look at the process and if you're of the belief that they're going to be able to sustain some level of success or seasons of that include more than three or four wins then if you combine what could be somewhat success with the process, then I think you start to see really this thing pick up the gas a little bit. And of course that's going to take time. And this season is kind of hard to, I thought your question to Tony with Peterson was good in the sense of, Hey, kind of two and five, like what, what's the pitch here? Right? Kind of and, two and five. And, yeah. You are two and five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and I thought his pitch was, I thought his answer was honest and, and how he did that. And, I just think there's a lot, but the process is still the most important part to me and how they do this and what their approach is. And and we might look, Jeremy, on, on March 1st, after all the signing days, and as you start to really, you know, prepare for the next season, it's like, hey, there's some, well, there's some tough misses out there, huh? Like, yeah. you could say that almost every single time and every single recruiting cycle for everyone not named Alabama, Clemson, or I guess Ohio State, right? Like, yeah. that's part of it, but... It's impressive how they go about this. Yeah, and I know we've talked about some of the the really good evaluations early. Like Jordan Anderson, I think, would have had several offers. 
by now um, elsewhere. Hunter Whitenack. I think getting him on board really early was good. Malachi Hood, you know, Tennessee and a bunch of Big Ten programs at Northwestern wanted to get him on campus, but Illinois locked that one down. Um, so, And then just some good Power 5 wins like Sean Miller, Aiden Lawfrey, uh, Jared Beatty. Those, those are good prospects. Like I, I think top 800 prospects are huge wins uh, for Illinois, and they got a couple of those in this class. You just like your headliners, right? You like a couple more stud athletes and Ashton Hollins is a high upside guy that's going to switch positions that kind of is like do span like that's a guy you're maybe counting on to be a stud athlete and there's there's no secret to what this formula is going to be Joey it's evaluate recruit well uh and develop it's it's no secret of how Iowa Wisconsin and even Michigan State built their programs Northwestern they evaluate well they recruit well sound process like you say and then they develop that talent. Like that's that's going to have to be what happens. And speaking of that, let's talk about two important recruits on the offensive side of the ball. Joey Oka was the first commit in the class 2022. Joey, you saw him this weekend. Went up to Arrowhead High School, which uh, I forgot. Uh, one of Illinois' best golfers, Pearson Hunt, is also from Arrowhead High School, big high school up in Wisconsin. Uh, what'd you learn about Joey Oka during that trip? Yeah, man, I, I was just one. Like, I think the only times I've really, like, seen him have been on the sidelines at football games, and he's generally standing somewhere near Hunter Whitenack. So it's kind of hard to, like, fully appreciate how large this kid is. Yeah, by the way, Hunter Whitenack, 6'7", 300 pounds. Joey is 6'3", 285, yeah. Yeah, and, like, so I guess it's always, like, oh, yeah, offensive linemen. And, like, they're standing in the end zone or you're behind the end zone, and that's generally where the other offensive linemen and cleats and pads so it doesn't really jump out at you until you go up to his high school and you're like, whoa, this dude's a like he's a good sized kid. He's just he plays really, really mean and just nasty. He's played a little center, which obviously you didn't get to see a lot of that second level stuff at you know high school center, especially in pass pro, uh, for a good amount of the second half. But man, he I texted you this. I don't like doing comps because I'm not very good at it, and I know that. So, so I actually had texted you and Ryan Easterling this, and there's some Nick Allegretti to him, I think. And, and I'm not saying he's going to be a seventh-round pick by the Kansas City Chiefs. That's that's a long way away. But just in the way that, like, he moves, his movement, then, then his leadership, right? I, I think that is one of the, the biggest thing, really, that stuck out, stuck out to me is he was the first dude out there on the field yelling and screaming bloody murder. I mean, he's pumped up. He, he was – I mean, all of that, the quarterback threw a pick and, and the first one over there before they even get to the sidelines is Joey Okla. And and I know that people who were there watching saw that moment. And, and I, I know that was a big deal. And just other little things like a late hit out of bounds. And this guy came over like freaking gangbusters ready to rock. And that's what you like. That stuff is just kind of hard to teach, right? I mean, those are some of those intangible things that are just kind of you don't see it on a tape all the time, but you see it when you're standing on the sidelines. And that's the stuff that you, I mean, yeah. like Doug Kramer has that, right? I, I think another guy we can mention here, another former center um, for fans that go back a little bit more the last decade, Joe Spencer was a really good addition uh, by uh, Tim Beckman. Uh, I believe, I think it was Ron Zook into Tim Beckman, but um, three-star center out of Ohio, he signed in 2012, so I think it was originally committed to Ron Zook and, and stayed under Tim Beckman. Like he had offers from just a bunch of Mac schools and service academies, but uh, was a really good player, physical, 
Uh, but just a really great leader. Um, great, great guy to have in the program. And, you know, I know Tim Beckman's years didn't go that well, but Joe was a big success story out of that. Just a really good uh, football player for the Illini. So that's another guy that, yeah, he screams kind of that to me. Yeah. And it's just stuff that it doesn't, you don't have to look for it. Right. I, I think that's the big thing. You can see it right when you get to the sideline. And then I thought more on the it's kind of a lengthy drive back that night and you have a little time to think and, yeah, I, and I, I don't think it was like this guy has to necessarily be our first in the class, right? Like I, I'm sure, uh, I, would, I would say, shouldn't say I'm sure, but I would guess that wasn't like Brett Bielema and Bart Miller and all of their coaches sat around like this guy has to be number one in the class, and then it goes from there. But it worked out pretty well for Joey to be the first guy in the class because he has been all over everybody. I mean, now it's been a while, a couple months now since the commitment. Uh, but w- when those were starting to come fast and furious, Joey Oakle was a, a very big part of that dialogue, at least on social media. And I, I know that he's been in contact, you know, on his phone with, with any number of recruits. And and then he's also one of the, you know, key guys in a, in a really tight-knit recruiting class. You know, he, he's a guy who really takes it on himself to make all of this work and to build a lot of these relationships in October when he's not going to get there until the summer. Right. And I I just think that personality is a big deal when you're trying to set and create something. Now, I I don't know what it's going to translate talent wise. I think anybody who tries to definitively say, you know, there are some kids "Eh, probably be pretty good, right? Like it doesn't take a rocket scientist. So I don't know, maybe he won't be all this and all that. You, You don't know, but to have him right now as you're trying to put these pieces down, that's a really, really big deal. And, and he's kind of that leader who, when things get rough, and, and as we've seen with Illinois football, things get rough, he's somebody that I would think over the course of three years, two and a half, three years, that voice is going to resonate with, with some of those other guys. Yeah, I think it's maybe not for the short term, but for the long term, I like having Josh Kruitz and Joey Oka. Like I, I think... <laughs> Uh, I like having like Josh Kruitz is nasty, just a nasty football player, undersized, uh, but but really, really nasty player. And, and Zach Barlove seems to be getting some love and I kind of liked him, his senior film. So you know, interior, that that's that's kind of easier to find those guys. I don't think it's going to be good next year on the interior, but they got to find some tackles and, and Hunter Whitenack certainly can be one of those guys, but Julian Pearl, but they got to continue to add depth there. Uh, you're going to see one of the most important prospects in this class, uh, Donovan Leary, uh, quarterback uh, on your way to Penn state. You're going to go over to New Jersey, long road trip, Joey, appreciate you doing it. But what are you looking to learn about Donovan Leary? A little bit of the same. I mean, one, just what's it look like when he throws the ball? Because I think some of the stats that they don't really jump off the page right now from his senior season, uh, something I knew I was going to talk about. I should have looked it up. I'm, I'm looking him up now. So go ahead and keep chatting. Uh, I, I just think also, especially in high school football, like, Stats are really they, they fluctuate so much depending on who you have around. So here you go: eight games, fifty-five point five percent completion rate, thirteen touchdowns, nine picks. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think if you just were to like put all these numbers on a page and say this is what the recruits are doing, I, I don't even want. If we just went through all the social media, I do not even want to mentally go down that road. No, but, but it's, I mean, it's like Donovan Leary is a really interesting prospect. His brother Devin is doing great at NC State, so he's obviously got the lineage, and it's great to pick his mind. 
didn't have a lot of options, power five options as, as Tony Peterson got in, but Tony Peterson saw something he liked. Um, and Tony Peterson is, is a question mark, right? Like obviously he needs more talent, but he's also got to land that talent and, and see the guy to find the right quarterback solutions for Illinois. I am not going to put pressure on Donovan Leary for his first or second year. Okay. No, no. They're going to add transfers and Donovan Leary is going to need time to develop, but it will be interesting, um, to see how he does develop, but I'm, I'm interested to see what you see out of him and what you hear from people over there because the numbers haven't been great. So when you're at the high school level, you'd love to see those guys dominate, like Riley O'Toole throwing 45 touchdowns and no interceptions, right? Like you want to see those kind of things. So there's some question marks about you know the evaluation or how, how good he'll be, but people around him talk highly of him, and obviously Illinois likes him. So he's not a guy who's going to come in to be the savior right away. So if Illinois fans are expecting that, I know some people think that of Samari Collier, right? It's gonna, it's gonna take some time with those guys. The transfer market's gonna be so important. But Donovan Leary is the first guy they pick uh, as a high school prospect. I think it'll be interesting to see what you see out of him. Yeah, and we kind of said this with Art: is someone's got to be the bridge to Leary, and I'm saying Leary specifically because he was their first hand-picked quarterback of the Brett Bielema and Tony Peterson era. So you would think that he's going to get a crack at this thing in the same way that six years ago, Brandon Peters was the first hand-picked quarterback of the Jim Harbaugh era, and they gave him a shot, right? And obviously that's gone how it's gone, but if you're the first guy in the hand-picked, you're going to get your chance at this thing. I don't know when that's going to be. I'm with you. If anyone's expecting this to be in the next two years, someone has told you possibly some wrong information or maybe not the best because I don't think you want a, a true freshman or a true sophomore or a redshirt freshman more likely to start. I mean, that's just not generally the makings of, of where you want your program to be. If he's great, sure. Uh, it's just most of them aren't great as, as true freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen. So, yeah, I just I just don't know if that's my expectation, right? I, my expectation is they better land a good transfer. Uh, and I think let's talk about that, Joey, because my, they should have plenty of options. We're already seeing the transfer market fill up here, right? Like the transfer portal is going to be insane. There are going to be a lot of talented options. Some Illini fans, Spencer Rattler dreams if you want them, sure. Sure, if you want. I don't see them landing someone of that ilk, but I can see them landing a former four-star prospect. It's just you got to pick the right one, right? Um, they're all looking for opportunity. Ona's got a power five opportunity. The hard part for me is what are you selling? You you, you just talked about this, Brett Bielma, about how your offensive line's a big question mark. You said that publicly. Wide receiver. Isaiah Williams and Deuce Span should continue to get better, but you got to get better at that position. And this recruiting class, I like what you're doing there, but that's going to take some time. Um, so I just feel like your sell compared to other Power 5 programs is going to be difficult. Um, so I, I don't know how this is going to play out. I think there's going to be good options. I'd like to see them add two guys, maybe one person with two years of eligibility, another with three or four, and and just get a competition going here with Art Tuskowski and, and Donovan Leary and Matt Robbins, whoever it is, Ryan Johnson. Um, yeah, I, I'm fine with investing two more scholarships in this recruiting cycle and in the most important position on the field. When was the, I mean, it's just we haven't seen enough true quarterback competitions at Illinois where you honestly felt that both options would start at another A, Big Ten, or probably to a much lesser degree, B, at another Power Five institution. But definitely A, when was the last time that we thought 
hey, you know what? Either one of these guys, one's going to lose, the other could reasonably compete for the same role at another Big Ten school. <laughs> uh, Nathan Shaw's Jacob Charest. Like at the time, people probably thought that about Jacob Charest, who was a decent uh, ranked recruit. Um, yeah, and Riley O'Toole, Wes Lunt, but we knew Wes Lunt was starting. Um, yeah, 2017 was a disaster. 2018, you had A.J. Bush with a bunch of freshmen. You knew it was going to be A.J. Bush. Brandon Peters comes in. You knew it was going to be Brandon Peters. So, yeah, yeah, a long time, Joey, is, is the point. It's been a while. I, even so, even two, two guys that you think would definitely start at the FBS level. Like, I, I think that's fair. It's probably Wessel and Riley O'Toole. Yeah. And to be fair, I, I think if you bring in two, then you would – I think it would be hard to argue otherwise that you would have three – in that room with art and then plus two, right? If, if you do that, if you go to start at the FBS level, I don't, I mean, I don't think you, the big 10 is probably a different discussion, but, but I, I, I think it became clear to me a couple of weeks ago, like two's probably, that should be something they really consider. I don't know how much they're going to. That's hard to do though. Right. Like it's hard to get two transfers in at the same off season. Well, and that's why I think that the amount of eligibility has to be different. You cannot bring in two guys with one or two left. I don't even think one should be an option to be honest with you. What what does one year of a quarter, unless that quarterback is like Spencer Rattler, where it's like, Hey, I'm coming here. Then I'm going to the league. I just like a placeholder before I go. Um, I, I just, that just doesn't make sense to me. You need to continue to have, you've got to figure this thing out one quickly. And I know Brett's talked about being a developmental program. And I think that's fine for your high school. And I mean, that you cannot get away from that. We just, it just doesn't work to get away from developing, but with this, you better hope that development happens a little quicker with the quarterback position you bring in. Like maybe you bring in a transfer, like Art had wards. But you might want to get someone who's a little closer to being more ready than art, if that makes sense. I don't know if it yeah. does. Like, you can't – this can't be like, yeah, we hope by week six, you know, we're good to rock here. It's, you got to get that pretty quick. Well, just somebody better than him, right? Like, you know, Art had one of the worst years ever, and then he had two years where he was a serviceable backup. And what's he been this year? Probably a serviceable backup, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he certainly has. Right. So, like, he's kind of played to what I would kind of – he's kind of played to what I would expect out of out of Art Sikowski based on what we saw uh, from him. Sorry, I'm playing the music over this. Um, so, I, I just – they need somebody who's better. And, you know, Art, I expect to compete for the job next year. He's been in the system for a while. But, like, they need they need an upgrade, and we'll see where they go. They also need the offensive lineman. We know that. Um, probably look for a, a Juco, maybe two, maybe and two. maybe a transfer portal guy as well. Because um, I, I feel like you feel like Zach Barlev can be a backup. Hunter Whitenack's probably going to be a backup next year. But Julian Pearl, Josh Krutz, Jordan Slaughter, Alex Pilstra, like those are the guys we're talking about right now. you got to add guys who are ready to play. And the JUCO market might actually have more talent than the actual transfer market. Um, so, so we'll see where they can go there. Uh, wide receivers need like every position outside of running back they could add to Joey. The other position I want to mention though is defensive line. I like the foundation of Seth Coleman, Johnny Newton, and Keith Randolph. Like I, I think those are three good to high ceiling players. What's after them for, for your long term? And, and as Brett was said, Brett said yesterday about the defensive line, we got to get bigger more physical up there and that's true because 
Like Jamal Woods was a fit for Lovey Smith's scheme. He's not really a fit um, for this scheme. They need guys who are longer, stronger, more stout against the run. Otherwise, you're going to see what happened against Wisconsin a lot more. Like you see those Wisconsin-Iowa defensive lines? That's what they want to do here. Um, and Illinois doesn't look like that right now. Yeah, especially up the middle, right? I mean, you've got a Rod Perry will be gone. Um, I don't want that to go viral, but that's a fact. Rod Perry will be gone. So Calvin Avery, is Virtus Brown going to be in a position? But I'm with you. I, I cannot, like, even think high enough of uh, Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton, and Seth Coleman. Like, that is – I'm a huge fan there. Like, a huge fan. Those are guys I feel but, like could be three good Big Ten starters, right? Like, I'm not saying they're all NFL players, but they could be three good NFL starters – or three good Big Ten starters with the upside of potentially making the league. Yeah, I, I think nose tackle's a position that they've got to big, huge, big, huge people up there. Right? That's what, I mean, that's, I don't think that's a shock. You got to have a big, big body there. So that, that is a position that I like a lot, a couple of the pieces a lot. But I mean, you never have enough defensive linemen, left handed pitching, right? Like you've got to have a ton of them because they cycle in and out of there. A ton. Yeah, fans could see those three or four guys, and you're like, oh, that, that's a good group. Well, you need eight of them, right? Like, <laughs> if people aren't noticing during the game, like, there's eight of them uh, rotating in there. And I, I, I always include the outside linebackers in that group because they're defensive linemen, guys. They're, they're defensive ends uh, in this system. I think eventually, if they get the guys they want, there's going to be a little bit more 3-4. Uh, but uh, that's another reason. Like, they want to run something a little bit different than what they're running right now. So uh, they want to get more guys in the interior. As for the class of 2022, probably about five more, if that, prep prospects here, Joey. Uh, they're really looking at defense here. They, they need some defensive linemen, especially Brian Allen decommitting, which is not a surprise. Um, if Iowa got a waiver to get him, that's where Brian Allen wanted to go originally. Uh, he originally wanted to go there. Now he's got an Oregon offer, so maybe Iowa's got to fight for him. But Iowa's... Uh, one of their directors of personnel, I believe, is the f- former St. Thomas More School in, in Connecticut head coach. Brian played one game for him last year due to the pandemic, and they didn't have a waiver when Brian originally wanted to commit, so Illinois was his best option. He commits to Illinois, and it seems like Iowa's got the, the waiver now. Um, Illinois fans can complain about that all you want, but that it's just the fact of what they have right now. Um, so Iowa would seem like they're in a good spot there, but with him gone, they need some defensive linemen uh, because – they're not going to play next year, but you want to continue to add talent. And Sed McConnell right now is the only guy, the last two recruiting classes in the defensive line. So we're, we're talking about a situation, Joey, where you don't want to be talking about this group the way you were talking about the offensive line yesterday. Uh, so defensive line, you got to add some talent there. Uh, and they want to add some defensive backs as well. Um, and some guys that, that are worth mentioning here, Sayla Brown reemerged from, from his silence uh, and announces a top three, which is not surprising who the top three are, Illinois, Louisville, and Northwestern. Um, Illinois is still recruiting him. Andy Boo was in to see him. Uh, Sayla has given me one message back, but hasn't talked with the media yet. Um, so I really don't have much insight into this. It seems like not much has changed the last three months. It's been a recruitment where he's a four-star prospect, but it feels like he hasn't been recruited like a four-star prospect. He's been quiet when he wasn't quiet for most of the spring and summer. So I think Illinois got a good pitch, but Louisville has always seemed like the place uh, where people think he's going to go. 
There were some questions about whether Louisville would take him, but now that doesn't seem like a question. I, I don't know. I don't know. Have have a great read on this. Uh, but Elijah McCantos, I think Illinois is in a great spot. Three-star defensive back, out of Florida, great long arms. The other school he's officially visited, Washington State. So I think you're sitting pretty well there because they don't have a head coach right now. Cody Jones, the Michigan commit. I still think you're fighting upstream up there, but hey, hang around long enough, you might have a chance to land him. He took a, a visit to Illinois here recently, and I really like where Illinois is sitting with Julio Martin out of Chicago Kenwood. Uh, Nebraska Ole Miss are in the mix, so I still think you're fighting for him, but uh, I like where they stand. So DBs and D-linemen, and see if you can pull off Jimmy Roller there, Joey. Yeah, I don't want to be the happy-go-lucky um, guy, but there's still some legitimate dudes sitting out there that they're in the conversation for that, for who I, you know, maybe you've got some questions about this class. That's, that's fine. I mean, you just look at the rankings. I, I understand how you would have that. Um, I think again, a little depth would, would help in, in understanding that, but there are still some guys out there that can really, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which is, I mean, it, it's really like astoundingly kind of lopsided offensive versus defensive players here. Uh, but there was definitely still some guys out there defensively that can, they, they, there's a chance to close this strong, like really strong. Will it happen? Uh, it's a bit, it's, like you said, swimming upstream on a couple of these guys. But there are still some legitimate targets sitting out there with a couple months to signing day, and, and you're two and five, and you're still in the conversation, which is a pretty got to be a decent feeling, right? Yeah. So I, I'm doing a quick class calculator, okay? Oh so add Sailor Brown – Elijah McCantos. Oh, and Jaleel Martin and Jimmy Roller aren't even calculated into this yet. So I just threw those guys in. I don't think they're going to land all those guys, uh, just just to be clear. But but say you did, I think that's probably a top 40 class, which would be the best class for Illinois since 2009. So like I'm just saying, like, you still got a chance. Like The best class of the last decade, Joey, is 46th, and that you're currently 47th, and you're going to add four or five more guys. So... I think that'd be a really solid foundation. I think it'd be similar to 2017, which was Lovey Smith's best class by far, but I don't see Brett Bielma uh, bailing on in-state recruiting. So I, I think they'll do better in future years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, we also have to understand that like this is going to be a larger class high school wise, which is going to shift the ratings. Correct. Or are you looking at average? Yeah. It's going to shift the ratings, but that's still pretty, again, the, a foundation isn't one or two players. It is how what's you know 12, 15 high school players. That usually helps lay a pretty good foundation. Then you can get into the market, the transfer market, and, and start to plug some immediate holes or, or maybe prevent you know some some of these guys from being in the too deep too early. Yeah, and, and let me let me mention this rule because usually you can only sign twenty five guys in a class, and that is includes transfers. Now the NCAA, because of all of this roster, the COVID stuff, uh, so many transfers, they upped that to 32. If you have seven guys transfer out, Illinois is going to have seven guys transfer out, okay? So they're going to be able to hit 32. So I think the plan is 20 guys, high schools, set that foundation, Joey, and then you also can add 10 to 12 transfers. That's that's massive for Brett Bielma to, to not have to pick one over the other. Right to have to sacrifice like Lovey Smith did the short term, like Lovey Smith probably did too much of the short term sacrifice. Like I think Jeff Brom, you know, managed that better. Of hey, we got to get transfers to help us win, to help build buzz, so we can get better recruits. But he also got the foundation guys. Um, Brett Bielman doesn't have to make that choice. He can go like all in on both of them with twenty and twelve, basically. Yeah, and, and we should say like 
I do wonder if that would look, you know, if Lovey's tenure would have looked different, if he would have been afforded effectively seven more opportunities at guys there. Uh, we, we just don't won't know that. But yeah, that's a huge, a huge deal. And then, then you wonder, because the transfer portal is not going away, and, and especially for the next couple of years, you're still going to have some COVID eligibility that's going to throw some things out of whack, right? So maybe it won't be seven every year, but is there a chance maybe it's plus three, plus four, plus yeah. five for the next couple of years or beyond, but it definitely at least through COVID. And I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. But again, as you look longer term in this, and I think we've all, as we've looked at what Brett Bielema's task in front of him is, have understood the longer term. That's, that's some big deal. If you can go plus two, plus three, plus four, in at least the next couple of years after this plus seven, if that's how it shakes out, to really continue to find that foundation plus immediate balance that is going to be important for them to strike. And they've got to hit in the portal better than they did in 2021. When Brett was hired, we just have not seen the production out of those guys. I mean, and we just haven't. And they've got to, there's no way they cannot hit on portal guys. That's a huge deal. Uh, absolutely. Maybe the biggest topic of conversation that we should have when evaluating next yeah. year's team from here until that point. Yeah. I think Brett was trying to add like winners. Right. Um, and let's just, I, I'm not trying to single these guys out, but like Chase Hayden, Max Rosenthal, Jafar Armstrong, uh, Prather Hudson, just, just have made an impact. And the two guys, like I, I thought really up the talent, like Jafar Armstrong and Eddie Smith have barely played. Uh, Alabama transfer Eddie Smith, the defensive back, is he's played special teams here recently, kind of taking the Kirby Joseph role, but um, that's just not the impact you want. We'll see what Alec Bryant can add next year. Arthur Sikowski, I still think in the long run, for or even in the short run here, is a positive addition for you. Um, but like he's obviously probably not the long-term answer at quarterback. So yeah, that, that first recruiting class, transfer-wise, has not been that encouraging. I will say Josh McCray. Pretty good first edition. DJ Johnson's playing and flashing some talent. Uh, they say great things about Kanena Odaluga. A um, couple guys in that 21 class seem like they like Tyler Strain, Keontae Curry, some of the defensive backs. So uh, we'll see what they got out of there. Pat Bryant has made an impact, but um, they're going to make a much bigger stamp on this roster this offseason with 32 extra guys. Got to, right? Uh, and look, that there's also a change in – I still don't think I expect much next year. I mean, let's just get ahead of that now. But when we've seen it with a program like Michigan State where you can really accelerate a rebuilding process if you're a new coach because of these rules. And now with this plus seven, that's a huge stinking deal. I mean, think about that. That's almost seven starters if you play your cards right. And if you're shopping for seven starters – so that is seven of 22 you could have. I mean, new starters just in the portal. That clears up You need that a, many. a lot of space, a lot of space. Yeah, you need that many. Uh, I will say, like, we, I got that question in the comp, like, can they pull off what Michigan State did? Michigan yeah, I didn't mean to suggest Yeah, no, that, no, I, I, just, I just want to point this out. That was a heck of a better foundation. <laughs> Mel Tucker took over. I know there was some bad stuff at the end of D'Antonio, but uh, even in his final couple years, they were 16-11. In the Big Ten, I know Illinois beat them, and was one of the craziest games ever. Um, but they had four straight top thirty-six recruiting classes, and they crushed it in the transfer market. Like Jaden Reed was a long-term; he had to sit out a year. Uh, but Kenneth Walker, Quavaris Crouch, Chester Kimbrough, Ronald Williams—like they got 
uh, a bunch of starters uh, in the uh, transfer portal. Illinois certainly uh, did not do that. All right. We had the hot topic of Brett Bielma. We covered recruiting Joey. Uh, I think we successfully did this, talking an hour of Illinois football recruiting. You think people took in all that context? Like how many are with us still? Um, <laughs> think the outrage I think is We, we probably us? lost a few to quote tweet something on Twitter um, <laughs> as they frantically searched Illinois football roster or schedule or record or conference they play in or something. I mean, as we sit here, I've continued to watch these headlines. Just on free. What, what do you got? Like, what do you got there? Because I'm not trying to carry Brett Bielma's water here. Like, no, he deserves again, some criticism I, I for some say, like, Maybe don't say that at this point. I, I, again, I don't think it was the biggest deal in the world. But one from, from Deadspin uh, in its um, infinite glory <laughs> Brett Bielema offers us a crash course, How to Lose Your Locker Room 101. Uh, so my conversation with Doug Kramer would suggest otherwise, but that's fine. I understand where a minute and 36 would get you that. They got they got anybody quoted in that story? They uh, uh, Well, Brett out. Bielema, uh, from the minute and 36, they were able to to scour the internet for it. You know, it's, it's – it, come on, man. Like, it, I understand why people get frustrated or don't trust us. And for, one more rant here, because for people – like. When we do our job, we're being honest, like we can be critical. There's a line there and how to be critical and also understand the reality of the situation. But you got to have trust and people to tell you their stories, to tell you what's going on, to tell you anything other than the same, we'll get better today, we'll get better tomorrow, and then we'll play on. I mean, that doesn't move any the needle for anyone. I understand. I understand being where you would be a 22-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old. And have trust issues with us when you see headlines like this yeah. that are just, and I, I don't really feel bad for Dutchman, but like, to, come on, like, that's not how, and again, it's, it's easy to do that when you don't have to show up somewhere every day and you don't have to worry about maintaining trust. Because you can just yell and scream into the abyss and someone's going to click on it and listen. It's why I think it's really important to find people you can trust, that you see do the work, right, that put things into context, that... You know, if, if you have, if you want to write that, uh, I would want somebody quoted, like other than just Brett Bielema from the podium at a press conference I was not at. Um, if you had such outrage over that, why didn't, like, why weren't you there and ask that follow-up question um, and then ask the players. And that's what we did today, right? Like we were there and you asked, like you were there to talk to these players. And I know Brett Barons was there too, like to ask these questions of these players about how they responded. Like that's our job. Like that, that is our job. And you got to find people in the media that do that because those are the people who should be supported. The people who are just trying to get you to click on their link. Like, yeah, I want people to click on my link. People say clickbait. I'm like, yeah, I want you to click. Like, I want you to, I'm setting the bait out there for you to click my link, but I also worked hard on this story. I want you to, to have some context into that. Like that, that's, that's how we try to go about it. And and we're not perfect. You know, we're not perfect at it, but um, I try. I try to do my best not to comment on stuff that I don't know a lot about. Yeah, I mean, boy, it sure would be nice to see more of that, huh? <laughs> I mean, it, I, again, man, it. I know I just trashed everyone in our profession, and, and I don't. Not everyone. No, but, I mean, we are deserving of some criticism, but I also think sure. that's why it's important for people, consumers, to support who's good at it, right? Who, who you think you can trust, trust. and yeah. that's why, like. I have certain media outlets I really go to and I support because like if they're, if I think they're doing a good job and showing up to these things, like I want them to be supported because I want more of that 
and less of the clickbaity stuff you were talking about. Yeah, clickbait sucks. It just sucks, and social media just gas just gases up clickbait all the way home mm-hmm. because it's it's easy. Reporting is a big investment, right? Like that's why we try to go to a lot of places and and talk to people and meet them and all that because it's important to do that. Like because you get details, you get background, you get the the stuff that matters, the facts, and uh, that's why we continue to do. Uh, sorry to go on my soliloquy about that, but uh, you know how. You know how uh, passionate I am about it, and I know you are as well. So uh, hopefully people enjoyed this. We sorted something out. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe some people that uh, need to listen to this didn't listen to it at all. But thanks for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you know, give us a rating review wherever you get it. And uh, don't forget our YouTube page as well. Uh, subscribe there. You can see our YouTube uh, podcast there as well. So appreciate you listening. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.